Hello there, and welcome to Lunch Money. Uh, we are your online and social media home for uh, workouts, special situations, and capital raising professionals. Uh, it's been a little while since we did the last one of these. The last one uh, was um, with Duncan Maven, the author of Pyramid of Lies. Um, and if you ask, if you happen to be watching live and you ask a question live, I've got a few copies of this book to give away. Uh, now, I've also got some mugs to give away as well. So if you happen to be watching live, ask a question, make a comment, you might win yourself a book or a mug. Uh, now, it is today is the uh, 4th of December, um, and in two days' time, it is the 1st of February. Uh, let me just give you that logic. Um, never mind the calendar. It goes like this. There's grand final day. Then the day after that is Melbourne Cup, the day after that is Christmas Day, and the day after that is the 1st of February, and it all goes like that. Um, so I'm wondering what it is we can do uh, while we're kicking back over these uh, these next couple of months um, once we get past the Christmas rush. Uh, and, and all of our clients are away. Uh, what can we do uh, over that time to make the most of it so that we can take on what I'm sure is going to be a very challenging 2024? And so uh, today we're thrilled to have as a guest Arabella McPherson, uh, a renowned expert in communication and leadership. Uh, Arabella has uh, over 15 years of experience in coaching international leaders, uh, blending her unique background in acting with expertise in uh, various disciplines, including neuro-linguistic programming. Um, as principal of Resonate Communications, Arabella uh, empowers individuals and teams to excel in high-pressure environments, and God knows the pressure's turning up next year. Uh, Arabella's approach is deeply rooted in understanding psychology uh, and effective communication strategies and is transformative. Um, so get ready to unlock the secrets to influence your communications and intuitive leadership with Arabella McPherson. G'day, Arabella. Hi. Hi, Nicholas. How are you? Good yeah, to see I you. Am, I am very well indeed. Now, listen, I have to say, and I don't say this lightly, I really do think that um, you are the best follow on LinkedIn. I, I think mm. that uh, your videos are absolutely fantastic. The fact that I don't have to subscribe to see them, I think, mm. is possibly you, you're denying yourself there because I just think <laughs> it is such high value. Um, now, yes. you've been uh, a guest on once or twice before. Mm. Um, I think the best way to start is if you can tell us maybe any interesting projects you've had recently, and that might... By, by way of telling that story may help uh, our viewers and listeners understand what it is you do and who you do it for and how you get it done and what, what else is going on out there. Oh, thanks, Nick. Well, interestingly, I have been working with a, a lot of financial planners and industry fund managers. And so uh, a lot that is coming up is this huge competition at the moment. And many of the financial planners I'm working with don't have a consolidated sales process. So they might have leads coming to them through accountants or through lawyers or through their own clients, through referrals from their own clients. And they're finding they're not able to convert those clients. So uh, we're having a look at their whole process from start to finish to make sure that they're converting those clients that they're having contact with because those leads are so precious, as you would know. And it's important that they they know how to take those clients from 
the initial meeting straight through to uh, a valued client who is their ideal client. So I've been doing a lot of work with that. Mm. Wow. Can I just say, like, we've got some pre-prepared questions here and you've already taken us off course but into an area that I find absolutely fascinating mm. and I know that a lot of our professional people that we deal with, I deal with accountants, lawyers, finance brokers, I mean, all, all those people, and A, they what typifies the industry and i'm sure that many of my legal and accounting friends won't be insulted when i say they're not very good salespeople to begin with uh you may get in a firm there'll be one or two rainmakers but you know if you're not a rainmaker you still want to you know you still want to make bank and look after your family mm. and all the rest of it but the other thing is that you mentioned um it's expensive right so you know, it's a little bit like uh, I'm going to go to Adelaide and Perth later on this week. There's a, mm. there's a cost of that. There's the cost of me not being in the office. There's the cost of all those lunches. Every relationship has a massive investment. Um, so, yeah, so that's that's interesting. Yeah. yeah, it is interesting. And I think that uh, a lot of financial planners have been fortunate that they've been referred clients and those conversations have have happened without the financial financial planner being uh, present or part of those conversations. They've happened on the golf course or they've happened on a boat or at a lunch and then they come in and it's their opportunity to uh, really connect with that prospect um, and that's proving challenging because, as you said, they may be very, very, very good at what they do but being able to convince someone to hand over 50, 100,000, a million is a very, it's it's a very different conversation that, that people need to have. And you need to build such intrinsic trust uh, so that that person is willing to hand over the money to you so that you can manage it. Well, so that's you know, mm. I, I, again, I, I look, um, You've hit the nail on the head. Um, there's, there's a couple of things there. Firstly, you didn't mention it, but uh, one of my bugbears, and I'm sure one of your bugbears, is when you, you've got a friend and they say, or, you know, business contact, whatever it might be, and they say, listen, mm. I was talking to Joe Smith the other day and I told him to give you a call. I mean, I know it's obvious, uh, but it's still a lot of people still don't realise, I don't want to hear that you told someone to give me a call. What I want to hear is... Um, Hey, listen, I've got, I was talking to Joe Smith the other day. Um, I asked him if it would be okay if you gave him a call. Here's the name and phone number. So just, mm. uh, you know, just so we know, the way to give a referral is not mm. to tell someone to call Arabella. It's no. to give Arabella the name and phone number and tell the person you'll get Arabella to give you a call. It's a simple thing. If people need help, they'll always say, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, that'd be great. I really appreciate that. That they don't have phone call themselves. But another little so, but the other thing that you've just picked up on there is that then the challenge is when I when I make that call or I you know, mm. finally get in front of that person, I'm then cold. Apart from the fact I've been referred in, uh, and as we know, referral, you know, it's you, you're now trading off the um, whatever the social credits of the person who referred. But you're still you're still you're not starting from zero, but you're still starting from well behind, aren't you? Yes and no. I mean, the research shows that referred clients are likely to spend 50 to 80% more than original clients, which is startling information. And that comes from banking reports who have looked at the, the benefits of getting referred customers as opposed to going cold to the market. 
And I think what you're getting at, which is really, really important, is having that conversation with existing clients and letting them know how to refer people to. So, for example, saying uh, the way that we grow our business is by working with our ideal clients who are wonderful people like you. We have these incredible partnerships. Is there anyone in your network that you think would benefit from having a conversation with us so that they're feeling and deal with the pain points that people in that industry are feeling? For example, who need uh, um, a considered approach, they need to be able to access cash or whatever the pain points are that your original client is facing. And then really say, okay, who is that person? And when do you think you might speak to them next? And how about we put a call in the diary for next week after you've spoken with them. So you're really actively going after those referral clients and showing that that client how they can refer to you. So that's a very, yeah. very good point. Yeah, I think this would be very interesting for, uh, you know, take take restructuring professionals, for example. Um, mm. you know, they're, they're, their main uh, marketing tool is really, you know, their, their client functions, um, uh, well, sorry, functions where they've got a room full of, you know, accountants and lawyers and what, what have you. Uh, you know, they're not the only people putting those functions on, of course. Um, you know, a lot of people will turn up at the opening of an envelope. I've been accused mm. of that myself. Um, mm. But but you're saying, you're, you're talking about really taking a more proactive approach. And I don't think there, there's nothing cheesy about that if it's done the right way. I mean, we're all in business, particularly if you're a partner or a principal of a business. Like we all mm. understand we've got to, you know, we've got to make sales, we've got, to, we've got to get new clients, we've got to grow our businesses. And do you know what's really interesting is the best time to ask for referrals is when you've just signed up a new client. And it sounds counterintuitive because you haven't done anything for them yet. Well, I mean, you might have taken them through a strategy and uh, put them through your opening sequence as part of your process, but that's when they're most likely to feel enthused and <laughs> uh, ready to have a look at their network and who else might benefit. And it's that confirmation bias. I've made a great decision. Now I want someone else to also make a decision. So they end up being the most fertile ground to go after. But this is where our own um, complexities come into it, our own fears and that prevents people from having that conversation when it's best to have it, which is at that time when you've just signed up a prospect. So you say, look, I'm really looking forward to getting starting with, started with you. Our business grows by working with our ideal clients or people just like you. Is there anyone else in your network who would benefit and so on? So it's really finding that time when people are most motivated, when they're most energized and they're unconsciously wanting to confirm the conversation or the commitment that they've made to you does that make sense absolutely and and um and what just 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 to sort of go over the best way of delivering that um mm. you know because again most people uh uh you know i think you mentioned uh, the overcoming their own issues whatever it was you i can't remember the terminology you used mm. uh but you know people are often reluctant i mean i know some accountants and and, and restructuring people who've got more front than david jones as they as, as the saying goes absolutely nothing nothing no question goes unasked you know mm. but there are a lot of other people that are shrinking violets you know let's face it they're you know they they you know the, the kids that sat at the front of the school in uh, front of the class in school and they're not necessarily mm. so what what's the best way for those people to sort of to, to to ask those questions 
Yeah, and you've just touched on something, Nick, which is really important, which is the personality style that's attracted to to doing financial planning or financial services or uh, accounting services. And as you said, most of them are not what they what we call thinkers. They're very into the data, the facts, the information, or persisters have strong opinions, values, and beliefs, and they're not natural salesperson people, and that's okay. Uh, what works best for that personality style is having a scripted approach. And this isn't just for referral conversations, this is for every conversation. And you asked earlier about what we should be doing over the Christmas break. And I know that I'm a complete obsessive nerd about this stuff. But if you do have some downtime and you'd like to work on your business, having a look at what what are all the types of conversations that we have, whether it is a referral conversation, whether it's pitching a new idea, whether it's networking and being at an event and having that um, giving insight to a prospect that gets them interested, whether it's knowing how to deliver bad news well, whether it's having difficult conversations or giving feedback, all of these can have templates and scripts and not that you need to follow it word for word, but I remember uh, back in the day working at a, um, a women's gym and I was managing this women's gym and it was an American chain. I don't know if you know it, Curves, Curves Women's Gym. And it was so, so great because I would have a script um, every time someone called up and I thought, I'm not going to use this script. I don't need a script. But then call after call would happen. People very keen and eager to start exercising and it would be haphazard and random as to whether I closed them or not, or whether I got them into the gym. And what I started to realize is that it's less about the script and more about how you feel when you're having that conversation. So if you're feeling confident and you're just following a process, it's just like, okay, this is my referral conversation. This is where at this point in the process, I say to them, uh, and you can have a specific script, like, for example, as I said earlier, uh, we love helping people just like you. And it can be more about helping than sales. So is there anyone else who is feeling time poor, stressed about their financial position, wants more security in an uncertain market that would benefit from our services? So you can even take the sales element out of it and wait. And if you have that scripted point by point, then you feel less anxious about it you practice it, role play it, get used to it, do it with your team so that everyone is having that conversation without feeling like it's a big deal. Does that make sense? That is absolutely fantastic. Yeah. I mean, it's you, you've sort of taken me back to, uh, oh, it might be 1989 um, <laughs> when I did, a, uh, I did a selling course. I was at AGC and I did a selling course. And the course opened up with, uh, it was a presentation thing. And someone said, you know, what do you think the keys are to selling? And you know, mm. basically sp spilled into two things. Now, one was product knowledge, obviously, but the other one was confidence. And the confidence mm. really came from two areas. One was product knowledge, but the other one was no understanding of the process. Um, which, uh, the other thing that you said then, um, when you talk about scripts, something that I've done in the past, and it's not hard to do, particularly with a team of salespeople, is to say, right, let's get the whiteboard. Let's talk about every objection that we, yes. that we get. And usually there's not that many of them really. There, there's mm. maybe, there might be three or four and then there's another mm. 10 that are really just variations on those. Exactly. Three or four. And yeah. like you say, you can certainly workshop, um, you can certainly workshop how to respond to each one of those situations. And that is a great thing you could do over summer mm. Uh, mm. in your downtime. 
This is, this is true. And just to go back to what you said, product knowledge gives you confidence. I would even argue that product knowledge is far less important than that person feeling heard and understood or that couple or group of people, whoever it is. Because uh, what we try to do is show how much product knowledge we have and all the things we could do. And we jump in way too early when that person isn't ready because they don't feel heard. And so um, a lot of the times when I'm working with people, it's about making sure they know, number one, how to ask questions. And I know that sounds really strange, but what we know is that when people feel that you intrinsically understand their problem and their situation better than they do, they unconsciously believe that you have the answers. So right. spending much more time in the front end, working with really understanding that client. And even if that person sits down, you know straight away how to deal with their situation. You know exactly what they need. They're like every one of your ideal clients uh, taking the time because research shows that doctors who ask 10% to 15% more questions are much more likely to get the patient to follow their prescription. So it's, it's so much more important on the front end to delve deeper for longer until you get to that part in the process where you're uh, showing them what you can do for them, but using all of their words, all of their problems, positioning it in exactly what they said they need and want. It's interesting, um, you know, listening to what you're talking about. I mean, it's it's funny. We're sort of, we started off talking about sales, and but really it mm -hmm. comes down to personal leadership skills. Um, and I've always said uh, that leadership, whether or not it's leadership of people or mm. particularly or, or leadership in a sales scenario, like when, mm. when we're talking about special situations where there's distress and all that sort of stuff, you know, the, 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 the client is getting bombarded with all sorts of advice. Everybody's an expert. They've got their accountant, the bank's accountant, their lawyer's friend that's an accountant, for example. Everyone's got law. Um, and... They don't know which way to go. And I've always said leadership, whether or not it's in that situation or with your team, it's like you've got to be able to say, you know, you're in the trench and you've got to be able to turn around to your people and say, right, we're going to run that machine gun nest and mm -hmm. it's going to be okay. Just stick with mm -hmm. me. It's all going to be mm -hmm. good. Let's, we're going to climb mm -hmm. out of this trench. And, um, but, and like all those things that you just talked about, I guess feeling heard, mm -hmm. uh, that's, what, that's what then, uh, you know, people, people follow, I suppose. Yeah, and part of this is understanding their sales process. So you mentioned that they have a lot of advisors giving them information. And so part of that sales conversation is saying who apart from yourself is involved in making this decision. And if that sounds too salesy, saying I'm just really curious, how do you usually make decisions about uh, which advisor or which professional you go with? Because you want to, and you can ask that question two or three times because sometimes they're unconscious about how they go about making those decisions. But you want to know exactly who is in their ear so that you're actually having conversations with the people who are influencing that person. And, and so uh, often you, you're having great conversations, it's progressing really well, and then you get to the, the final part of those conversations and there's a blanket no and you don't understand why. And that's often because there is an, another person involved. Uh, there was 
way back when I remember I was getting my eyelashes tinted I think it was like 10 years ago and while they were tinting my eyelashes she gave me a hand massage and she was talking to me and she was from Scientology and she said we and I said tell me about Scientology she said well we do lots of workshops in communication I said oh like what she said how to deal with conflict and I said tell me more and she said well usually when there's conflict there's a third party involved who's in someone's ear and right. what I found with decision making there's usually four people in someone's ear <laughs> there's yeah. not just one person especially with finances I yeah. know that if I make a decision, I often consult my one of my brothers. And it's weird, but you know, when I'm talking to people, I say, look, I really need to run this by one of my older brothers, mm -hmm. and I really trust his advice. And so you need to find out who's gonna be involved in that decision-making process and deal with those objections that are going to come up later down the track upfront. So for example, for many uh, financial planners, people think, oh, you know, if they haven't had a financial planner before, they might say, oh, you know, we might just give out, give it a go ourselves. We don't want to pay the fees. So that might be a question that you add early on, which is uh, what's preventing you from doing this yourself? You're a highly intelligent person. You've run a successful business. And so you're dealing with those objections up front and getting them to convince themselves as to why they're in that situation. And just rewinding what you said there, so it's... <laughs> covered it's, a lot it, there. Well, yeah, I, um, it's, the trouble is I bookmark these things, but then you say so many other valuable things. You, mm. you said um, kind of anticipating what 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 the challenges are going to be. So mm. that's kind of another sort of holiday task, I suppose, is listing those things uh, that are going to, you know, preempting. What, you know, what do yeah, I need to preempt? Exactly, exactly as you said, Nick. You said list out the objections. Absolutely. It's mm. not crazy for people to have objections it's crazy for you not to believe that they will and not be prepared when they do come up because yeah, as you say yeah, there yeah. are only about five five or six that come up and yeah. if you go no don't ask about fees or mm -hmm. uh, don't ask about what happens if uh you know about performance and where we haven't performed in the past you've got to have right, a way right. for dealing with all of these things and what people value more is transparency it's interesting because I've had professionals that I've worked with who have done the wrong thing, not consciously, but uh, for example, um, uh, maybe on my website, they, they put the wrong text up or recently my mother had a hip operation that went terribly wrong and they admitted fault. But because we had such a great relationship, such deep transparency, openness and trust, then those I, I've stuck with those people regardless of the errors that they've made so that takes the pressure off you knowing that uh, you will make mistakes but if you are so open and transparent and have a great conversation obviously you shouldn't share everything but it's how how do you or well, you can but how do you build that trust so that no matter what happens people will will stay with you and in this unpredictable market, that's really, really important. What the research shows is that 75% of uh, people will change providers that they're satisfied with. So right. knowing that, oh, they're satisfied, they're happy, they've been with me for five years, uh, that's okay. Other people will be poaching them with the newest, brightest, greatest thing, and they'll be very convincing and very aggressive in the way that they uh, 
approach your current clients. So it's about making sure you're constantly having those open, transparent conversations. Yeah, we've got so many little, uh, so many little points we could go charging down. Um, where, um, you know, firstly, well, one of, one of the things that, that I was going to say was um, the theory of giving giving the bad news all at once, for example. So, you know, they're going to ask about fees and all the hard stuff they're going to have to do mm. in order to, to get things done. And I think there's a theory that if you get all of that in one, get all of that out in one go, because if you drip feed it out, then people are going to think, well, you've told me three things are going to be hard. Now, what's the fourth one? Mm. Uh, so, so there is that, but we won't go down that um, that <laughs> rabbit line. That's the next uh, conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay. Well, look, let me just work through what we thought we were going to talk about because we're, we're okay. half an hour in almost. Um, so do, on your website, and I think we've, we've, we've covered some of this already, but just, just to mm. sort of go back, on your website, you at the moment you're featuring the master, uh, mastering the art of being heard. So I guess mm. that touches on, on what we've been talking about. And how, how do you see the master of being heard as being uh, important in 2024, given the you know, the, all the noise that we compete with social media or everything that's competing for our attention, uh, the the structure of work, you know, mm. Zoom meetings and all that sort of stuff. So, so tell me about the master of uh, mastering the art of being heard in that in that context. Uh, by question. the way, we will we will yeah. link to your courses. Okay. Okay. So, no worries. Uh, all good. courses with Arabella, and we will link to them in all our social. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah. No, no, no. Uh, yeah, I do have an app called Communication Guru and I am actually putting together a sales program for financial planners because there is that and probably a whole suite of understanding each communication that you have, whether it be an onboarding conversation, whether it be uh, a middle of the year check-in, whether it will be having a difficult conversation. So I think Master the Art of Being Heard is much more about understanding how people uh, if you want to be heard, you first have to listen to them. And there's that that part of being supremely confident that your intention is good. Your intention is always good, which is to help your client. Now, a lot of people lack confidence because sometimes the performance of their stock or their, their business or the things that they do does really well, and sometimes it doesn't. And so there's a tendency, I remember speaking to uh, one financial planner who was losing clients and I said, talk me through your sales process and he talked me through each of the stages and he said, and then in the last conversation, I take them through all of the risks. And I said, all of them? And he said, yeah, all of them. I said, I, I wonder why you're losing. So people are paying for confidence. They are paying for reassurance and Part of that is just making sure that you are understanding who they are and where they're at and what they need and then having expert skills to be able to influence them because you're right, Nick, there's a lot of noise out there. And so that comes down to your skill set. So how do you set up meetings or conversations? How do you lead those conversations? For example, there's something called chunking up. You may have heard chunking up. I think we might I have talked about it. Oh, yet. maybe. So, okay. Maybe. But chunking chunking up is where uh, you talk about the overall goal. Like what is our overall goal? What do we want to right. achieve together? And then chunking down is how specifically are we going to do that? Now, if you're too chunked down in a conversation saying, look, we're going to put money in stocks and money in 
and in real estate and money in super and they they're totally against real estate for whatever reason or they're totally against super then you've already lost them whereas if you start that conversation by talking about their overall goal we're here to make sure that you uh, successfully uh, move through retirement and can live to the age of 120 and your children are set up for the next 20 30 years whatever it is I'm, I'm being facetious but yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> that you start with their overall goal because then if you start the conversation with agreement you're much more likely to end the conversation with agreement well, it's, it's interesting. I, I, I've just done I just did a little mini video of a, a two or three minute video I, mm. um, which was the first of what might be in a series of uh, my, you know my little pearls and wisdoms and I, I'm, I'm approaching 60 Arabella so I think I'm getting to that age where I'm allowed to have wisdoms but one of them was um, one of my favorite questions in sales is uh, what is it you what is it you're trying to achieve um, mm. which is kind of I guess that is chunking up it's funny I, I knew a guy many years ago who was a great credit person in the, in the bank but he was not a salesperson but mm. he he did say he always liked to ask people what are they trying to achieve? And when I first thought, oh, you don't know, what would you know? You know, you don't know what you're talking mm. about. But actually, it's a very powerful question because it is a way, now that I understand what chunking up is, it is a way of getting, mm. to, the, getting to the very high level of, you know, here's what I'm trying to achieve. You know, I want to I want to yeah. sell my business in five years' time. Mm. You know, and then, then there's all these micro problems, mm. you know, down, down the way. In our world, it might be, look, you know, I've got the, the, the tax office has got a gun at my head. I've got some staffing yeah. problems. I need some working capital. Mm. But, but, but if you start with, look, where, where are we trying to get to? You know, mm. we're trying to get to a place where I can sell my business in a few. Okay, let's work back from that. And then we start. Mm. Yeah. Um, That's really yeah. interesting, Nick, because a lot of people, uh, and you're absolutely right, where, what do you want to achieve? Some people might draw a blank. In fact, more people than, than, uh, than, than you think they actually don't know what they want to achieve. And so right. often starting with what they're frightened of or what, they, what they're most scared of is a good way because people are so much more motivated by fear than they are by, uh, by desire or what they want. And so starting with what, what, do, what do you want to avoid? And that's right. very, very compelling because people right. go, oh, look, I just don't want to be homeless and I don't want to yeah, whatever yeah, it yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then, then you can really see what's driving them. Yeah, very few yeah. people because some people are towards people and some people are away people and towards people are working towards their vision away people are, are running away from what they're most frightened of and what we find is most people are running away for something from wow. what they're most frightened wow. of wow. so that's it's a very powerful if, if you start with okay what's your vision and they they're vague yeah. about it yeah. you can say yeah. redirect it and say well let's have a look at what we want to avoid because yeah. they'll, they'll be very clear on that. That's yeah. what's keeping them up at night. Yeah. And it's interesting because I was recently just listening to, just yesterday actually, uh, that the, the, the five whys technique, you know, asking why, 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 why. And why is not a great word when, right. you're, when you're having sales conversations, funnily enough. But what the technique was designed to do by asking why five times is to get to that point where that person cracks emotionally. Right. And I know that sounds sinister, but you want to get to what actually is important to them. So yeah. often in the sales process, you can look at what are your challenges? And then the second part is why do you care? Like what are these challenges costing you? And why do you care? Like yeah. if yeah. we were able to achieve your goal or we were able to avoid the things you're most frightened of, 
what would that mean for you? And that's when, and I used to feel, like you were saying, I used to feel a bit icky asking that question. This is so wishy-washy. But people actually relax, crack, open up. And if you've built rapport by really understanding what their challenges are, then they'll tell you. And that's, and that's, that, that's that, what you want to you understand what's emotionally driving them because then then it's, it's interesting again when i go back to my w steve brown uh, sales course that i did in, in the late yeah. 80s um you know another one i can't remember what the there was a there was the create ac ac acronym right so mm -hmm. it was create confidence revitalize the mind uh something about the i can't remember what the e was uh create uh, uh uh, events or something but but what but but the the bottom line was people buy for emotional reasons mm -hmm. and then they justify the sale with logical reasons so you've kind That's of got right. to reverse engineer the logic which is which is really what you're saying i, I think that, that it's it's, it's yeah it's the emotional thing comes first and but then they need to go and tell their all these advisors mm. why they did it and so mm. they need they still need the logical framework uh, yeah but not too much data or information yeah, because no yeah, one can take yeah. that much in. They just need one yeah. or two pieces of data or information. And we can create these anchor phrases, which are phrases that will help them remember what you've said so they can right. easily transfer that information to other parties. Right. For example, uh, in, in election campaigns, they use anchor phrases a lot. Barack yeah. Obama, I don't know if you remember what his catch cry was when he was going for presidency what was it? it was yes we can oh yeah that's right of course yeah and yeah. if you look yeah. at trump his was make america great again yeah and yeah, yeah, if yeah, you look yeah. at uh um what was the basketball that wonderful basketball netflix series uh oh, it was on don't who's know. the big basketballer god i've just had a uh, michael blank. jordan michael jordan so, yeah. Shaquille and I'm not, yeah, yeah yeah michael jordan it's a wonderful series and yeah. the coach called their final year as the dream team he called it the last dance and so wow. it helps people focus on uh an anchor phrase represents everything that you're standing for and this is this is also really important information because if you look at yourself whether you're an accountant a lawyer a financial planner or or anyone in advisory you need to know why you're different what's your anchor phrase what's your uh, claim to claim to fame why would they go with you over someone else or over an EFT or over mm. any other process that they they could do so that's so that's that's that's, that's that's some more homework for the summertime is coming up <laughs> sorry with, uh, <laughs> is it an anchor phrase or is it an are there, are there different anchor phrases for different situations I suppose you could have an anchor phrase for the whole conversation uh, yeah. or you can have uh, you can have a series of phrases that you repeat because people don't remember a lot in conversations. But if you have anchor phrases that you say several times over and over, they start to embed. Yeah. Now you've got you've got a number of programs. Uh, you've mm. got influential conversations. Uh, you have. Present uh, with presence and intuitive with leadership. Yeah, yeah. Right, right. So present with presence, intuitive leadership, uh, influential conversations, and these are all different mm. um, different programs that you run. Mm. Um, mm. And just, I mean, and and then you and you, I, uh, I picked up this phrase, learning through action, which I want to come mm. to. Um, but just just tell us what 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 does your 
classroom look like? Well, I'm, I, I remember in my, earlier in my career, about 15, 16 years ago, when I first started, I heard, oh, the soft skills, it's a whole lot of fluff. And I really hated that because uh, actually communication is, is the difficult part. That's where you're being creative, you're problem solving, you're dealing with another live person. It's like surfing. Uh, you're not just running on a field. You have to deal with the wave as well as navigating yourself on that wave. So everything I do is really practical. I'm very much into step one, step two, step three, making it super, super simple and straight to the point. I've often walked into rooms where I'm coaching and presenting and someone will pull out this folded piece of paper from doing my course eight years ago, a template wow. that they've still been working on. So it's always about having an infographic, so an image that helps you remember the set of skills very, very quickly so that you can refer to them. And that's that's when I say learning through action, it's very much having the skills and then practicing those skills in bite-sized pieces until you've got that skill, it's become a habit, and then moving on to the next set of skills. It's interesting, uh, you know, you talk about the, the, the so-called soft skills. Um, mm. I have been saying this for many, many years. I, and I honestly believe that in if you want to be in business, you're actually better off studying uh, Shakespeare and ancient history than you are studying. <laughs> I think it's more useful than a business degree. I mean, if you want yeah. to learn how to deal with people, um, mm. you know, because, uh, well, yeah, I mean, unless you want to be an accountant and study accounting, mm. you know, mm. but otherwise, you know, all this stuff. And I've taught, you know, I've taught marketing and all that sort of mm. stuff. Uh, mm. I mean, you, you know, I, I honestly, I honestly believe that, um, that that you know a bit of ancient history and Shakespeare are going to going to teach you more about those soft skills. Um, yeah, well, you're you're, you're preaching to the converted. I'm an absolute of course, you're a Shakespeare yes. fan. Yes. Yeah. I, I love. I've got the lexicons, yeah. which are the dictionaries. But right. I think even for people who want to be accountants, soon anything that is um, formulaic will be replaced by AI. So people skills are going to be the the difference between you having a longevity in your career and performing a very specific function whether well, it's replaced by ai or offshoring it's it's really about understanding the nuances of human behavior and communication and knowing how to navigate them well look okay so look we, i've just got two more questions for you sure. before we uh, we wrap up firstly uh you you've got this program intuitive leadership mm -hmm. right? yep so um i mean do you want to tell us i mean i think we were saying before you know we, we live in a world well certainly in my world dealing with accountants and bankers mm. we're, we're all data data focused uh i mean where where does uh intuition come in in that world it's a really good question and look with intuitive uh leadership it's actually about eight different courses there's giving and receiving feedback feedback happens to be one of the most difficult skill sets but one of the most powerful if you can get your team being able to give each other feedback research shows that they're able to change direction more quickly than anyone else and deal with market forces which is really important uh, there's coaching there's having difficult conversations there's uh, having value-based decision making decision making is huge so intuitive leadership really looks at how do you step up in front of a group of people and get them to trust you or even in front of a client. And so, so are you are you, are you one on one on one when you're doing these or is it a is it a small group or 
So it's it's a bit of both. So I can do one-on-one. I also do group coaching. And I also have my app, Communication Guru, where we focus on one skill set at a time. And we'll look at that skill set together. They'll go away. They'll complete the course online. And then we'll come back and do case studies using the skills that they've learned. That, that's fascinating. Have you, have you, that app's built? That's, that's on yeah, the market yeah. now? Yeah, it's, yeah. It's wow. live and it's continually growing. I have... I have already shot, I think, 25 modules, and wow. now I'm reshooting them into smaller bite-sized pieces so that people have three to five-minute, maximum eight-minute videos and a template to go with each video so that they get those skill sets um, embedded within their unconscious and it becomes natural for them. Now, I mean, that that in itself, I mean, just the journey from, I guess, when I first met you, I don't know, probably <laughs> yeah. eight years ago or something in, in, in B&I. That's uh, right. I mean, there was no app on the horizon at that stage, mm. right? Mm. And and so here we are, um, you know, you, you've gone from there to having an app. So obviously, you, you know, the world is the world is a mess, let's face it. It's changing very rapidly and stuff is just unpredictable. Like sitting here in 12 months' time, there'll be one or two black swan events that we could not possibly foresee right totally. now, and they're mm. going to happen to us. Um, so I guess, uh, you know, what 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 are you seeing, you know, just to finish up on, you know, what are the things that you're seeing is emerging uh, that are going to be challenges in 2024 that, that people need to, to um, you know, to get on top of in your realm? That's that's a great question. And I, I think it's difficult for me to predict what will happen, but I do know how to get people prepared for whatever will happen. And that is by having a communication playbook, whether it's um, having a sales conversation or onboarding a client or um, doing an update with them. It's making sure that you know how to do every part. Um, you, you've probably heard of Thinking Fast and Slow by Daniel Kahneman who won the Nobel Peace Prize in Behavioural Economics. It's a very thick book. It took me a long right. time to read. Right. But it looks at how we make decisions and it so clearly states that if you have a process, you're so much more likely to be successful than people who are haphazard or random. So part of it is just getting really systematic. There's a right. book called The E-Myth, which says make your, yep. your business like McDonald's, um, yep. which means making sure that you have a process so it's so repeatable so that you as a business owner can do more of what you need to do, which might be business development or strategy, and your team is able to step up um, because it's so clear as to what they need to do in every situation. Well, because the... the uh... Yeah, I mean, the, the Dilbert guy um, talks about systems over goals. So you, you're saying oh, more or less the same thing. Totally, totally, yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. get so focused, what's my five-year, what's my 10-year? It's like just clean your business up and yeah. get it functioning super well right now and then you can say, all right, what what will this lead us to and how do we create that, that uh, team that's able to adapt and move and change? And it's not about having a written process per se, um, that's part of it, but it's having like short videos teaching your staff because no one's going to pull out the standard operations deck and, and flip through it and have a look at, oh, how do I have this conversation? It's got to be part of the vernacular and part of the training and part of the conversation that you're constantly having with your staff. Okay, well, look, uh, I think that that's probably a great note 
to uh, <laughs> to finish up on. I mean, we've again, I've I've had to restrain myself from because um, I'm so fascinated in a lot of what you've had to say, and there's just so many little uh, areas that we could have sort of gone off in different directions. Mm. Um, but thank you, you've been very generous with uh, with my your pleasure. Knowledge. Um, and we will put some links in uh, mm -hmm. for your app, which uh, I'm going to investigate myself, and uh, for your other uh, your other courses. Um, so thank you very much, Arabella. My, my pleasure, first. Nick. It's always great uh, speaking uh, it's, to you. It's been wonderful, and uh, have a great and uh, happy Christmas and great 2024. I look forward to speaking with you again soon. So, and thank, thank you very much to uh, everybody uh, who has listened to us live. And uh, we have purpose-built this one. We're going to drop little clips to you uh, over the Christmas and New Year period. So uh, if you happen to be listening uh, or watching on one of those, um, I hope it's all going well for you. All right. Thanks a lot, Arabella. Take it easy. Thanks, and, uh, See you soon. Cheers. Bye-bye. Okay, bye. -bye. bye, -bye.